Chapter Twenty One of The Eyes of the World by Harold Bell Wright. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Twenty One, The Last Climb. That first visit of Aaron King and Conrad Lagrange to the old home of Sybil Andres was the beginning of a delightful comradeship. Often in the evening the two men with Czar went to spend an hour in friendly intercourse with their neighbors up the canyon. Always they were welcomed by Myra Willard with a quiet dignity, while Sybil was frankly delighted to have them come. Always they were invited with genuine hospitality to come again. Frequently Brian Oakley and perhaps Mrs. Oakley would be there when they arrived, or the ranger would come riding into the yard before they left. At time the canyon's mountain wall echoed the laughter of the little company as Sybil and the novelist played their fantastical game of words, or again the older people would listen to the blending voices of the artist and the girl, as in the quiet hush of the evening they sang together to Myra Willard's accompaniment on the violin, or perhaps Sybil, with her face upturned to the mountaintops, would make for her chosen friends the music of the hills. Not infrequently, too, the girl would call at the camp in the sycamore grove, sometimes riding with the ranger, sometimes alone, or they would hear her merry hail from the gate the other side of the orchard as she passed by. And sometimes in the morning she would appear, equipped with rod or gun or basket, to frankly challenge Aaron King to some long ramble in the hills. So the days for the young man at the beginning of his life work, and for the young woman at the beginning of her womanhood passed. Up and down the canyon, along the boulder-strewn bed of the roaring clear creek, from the ranger station to the falls, in the quiet glades under the alders hung with virgin's bower and wild grape, beneath the live oaks on the mountain's flanks or shoulders, in dimly lighted, cedar-sheltered gulches among tall brakes and lilies, or high up on the canyon walls under the dark and fragrant pines, over all the paths and trails familiar to her girlhood she led him showing him every nook and glade and glen, teaching him to know, as he had asked, the mountains that she herself so loved. The time came at last when the two men must return to Fairlands. With Mr. and Mrs. Oakley they were spending the evening at Sybil's home when Conrad Lagrange announced that they would leave the mountains two days later. And then, said the girl impulsively, Mr. King and I are going for one last good-bye climb tomorrow. Aren't we? she concluded, turning to the artist. Aaron King laughed as he answered. We certainly seem to be headed that way. Where are we going? We will start early and come back late, she returned, which really is all that anyone ought to know about a climb that is just for the climb. And listen, no rod, no gun, no sketchbook. I'll fix a lunch. Watch out for my convict, warned the ranger. He must be getting mighty hungry by now. Early in the morning they set out. Crossing the canyon they climbed the Oak Knoll Trail, down which the artist and Conrad Lagrange had been led by the uncanny wisdom of Croesus a few weeks before to the pipeline. Where the path from below leads into the pipeline trail, under the live oaks, on a shelf cut in a comparatively easy slope of the mountain's shoulder, they paused for a look over the narrow valley that lay a thousand feet below. Across the wide gray boulder-strewn wash of the mountain torrent's way, with a gleaming thread of tumbling clear creek in its center, they could see the white dots that marked the camp back of the old orchard, and farther up the stream could distinguish the little opening with the cedar thicket and the giant sycamores that marked the spot where Sybil was born. 
Aaron King, looking at the girl, recalled that day when he and Conrad Lagrange, in a spirit of venturesome fun, had left the choice of trails to the burrow. Good old Croesus, he said, smiling. She knew the story of how they had been guided to their camping place, and laughed in return as she answered, He's a dear old burrow, is Croesus, and worthy of a better name. Plutus would be better, suggested the artist. Because a Greek god is better than a Lydian king? she asked curiously. Wasn't Plutus the giver of wealth? he returned. Yes. Well, and wasn't he forced by Zeus to distribute his gifts without regard to the characters of the recipients? She laughed merrily. Plutus or Croesus, I'm glad he chose the Oak No Trail. And so am I, answered the man earnestly. Leisurely they followed the trail that has hung, narrow thread-like path, high upon the mountain wall, invisible from the floor of the canyon below. At a point where the trail turns to round the inward curve of one of the small side canyons, where the pine grows dark and tall, some thoughtful hand had laid a small pipe from the large conduit pipe under the trail to a barrel fixed on the mountainside below the little path. Here they stopped again, and, while they loitered, filled a small canteen with the cold, clear water from the mountain's heart. Farther on, where the pipeline again rounds the inward curve of the wall between two mountain spurs, they turned aside to follow the government trail that leads to the firebreak on the summit of the Galenas, and then down into the valley on the other side. At the gap where the Galena trail crosses the firebreak, they again turned aside to make their leisure way along the broad, brush-cleared break that lies in many a fold and curve and kink like a great ribbon on the thin top of the ridge. With every step now they were climbing. Midday found them standing by a huge rock at the edge of a clump of pines on one of the higher points of the western end of the range. Here they would have their lunch. As they sat in the lee of the great rock, with the wind that sweeps the mountaintops singing in the pines above their heads, they looked directly down upon the wide Galena Valley and far across to the spurs and slopes of the San Jacintos beyond. Sybil's keen eyes, mountain trained from childhood, marked a railway train crawling down the grade from San Gorgonio Pass toward the distant ocean. She tried in vain to point it out to her companion, but the city eyes of the man could not find the tiny speck in the vast landscape that lay within the range of their vision. The artist looked at his watch. The train was the Golden State Limited that had brought him from the faraway east a few months before. Aaron King remembered how, from the platform of the observation car, he had looked up at the mountains from which he now looked down. He remembered, too, the woman into whose eyes he had, for the first time, looked that day. Turning his face to the west, he could distinguish under the haze of the distance the dark squares of the orange groves of Fairlands. Before three days had passed, he would be in his studio home again. And the woman of the observation car platform. From distant Fairlands the man turned his eyes to the winsome face of his girl comrade on the mountaintop. Please, she said, meeting his serious gaze with a smile of frank fellowship. Please, what have I done? Smiling, he answered gravely. I don't exactly know. But you have done something. You look so serious. I'm sure it must be pretty bad. Can't you think what it is? He laughed. I was thinking about down there. He pointed into the haze of the distant valley to the west. Don't, she returned. Let's think about up here. 
she waved her hand toward the high crest of the San Bernardinos and the mountain peaks about them. "'Will you let me paint your portrait when we get back to the orange groves?' he asked. "'I'm sure I don't know,' she returned. "'Why do you want to paint me? I'm nobody, you know, but just me.' "'That's the reason I want to paint you,' he answered. "'What's the reason?' "'Because you are you.' but a portrait of me would not help you on your road to fame she retorted he flinched perhaps he said that's partly why i want to do it because it won't help you because it won't help me on the road to fame you will pose for me won't you i'm sure i cannot say she answered perhaps please don't let's talk about it why not he asked curiously because she answered seriously we have been such good friends up here in the mountains, such, such comrades, up here in the hills with the canyon gates shut against the world that I don't know. You are like, like Brian Oakley, and like my father used to be. And down there... She hesitated. Yes, he said. And down there I will be what? I don't know, she answered wistfully. But sometimes I can see you going on and on and on toward fame and the rewards it will bring you, and, and you seem to get farther and farther and farther away from, from the mountains and our friendship, until you are so far away that I can't see you any more at all. I don't like to lose my mountain friends, you know. He smiled, but no matter how famous I might become, no matter what fame might bring me, I could not forget you and your mountains. I would not want you to remember me, she answered, if you were famous. That is, I mean, she added hesitatingly, if you were famous just because you wanted to be, but I know you could never forget the mountains. And that would be the trouble, don't you see? If you could forget, it would not matter. Ask Mr. Lagrange, he knows. For some time Aaron King sat without speaking, looking about at the world that was so far from that other world, the world he had always known. The girl, too, seeming to understand the thoughts that he himself perhaps could not have expressed was silent then he said slowly i don't think that i care for fame as i did before you taught me to know the mountains it doesn't somehow now seem to matter so much it's the work that really matters after all isn't it and sibyl andres smiling answered yes it's the work that really matters i'm sure that must be so in the afternoon they went on, still following the fire-break, down to where it is intersected by the pipeline a mile from the reservoir on the hill above the powerhouse, then back to Oak Knoll, again on the pipeline trail all the way, a beautiful and never-to-be-forgotten walk. The sun was just touching the tops of the western mountains when they started down Oak Knoll. The canyon below already lay in the shadow. When they reached the foot of the trail it was twilight. Across the road by a small streamlet, a tributary to Clear Creek, a party of huntsmen were making ready to spend the night. The voices of the men came clearly through the gathering gloom. Under the trees they could see the campfire's ruddy gleam. They did not notice the man who was standing, half hidden in the bushes beside the road, near the spot where the trail opens into it. Silently the man watched them as they turned up the road which they would follow a little way before crossing the canyon to Sybil's home. Fifty yards farther on they met Brian Oakley. "'Howdy, you two, 
called the ranger cheerily without stopping his horse rather late tonight ain't you we'll be there by dark called the artist and the ranger passed on at the sound of the mountaineer's voice the man in the bushes drew quickly back the officer's trained eyes caught the movement in the brush and he leaned forward in the saddle a moment later the man reappeared in the road farther down around the bend as the ranger approached he was hailed by a boisterous hello brian better stop and have a bite how do you do mr rutledge came the officer's greeting as he reined in his horse when did you land in the hills this afternoon answered the other we're just making camp come and meet the fellows you know some of them thanks not tonight returned brian oakley deer hunt i suppose yes thought we would be in good time for the opening of the season by the way do you happen to know where lagrange and that artist friend of his are camped in that bunch of sycamores back of the old orchard down there answered the ranger watching the man's face keenly i just passed mr king up the road a piece that's so i didn't see him go by returned the other i think i'll run over and say hello to lagrange in the morning we are only going as far as burnt pine to-morrow anyway keep your eyes open for an escaped convict said the officer casually there's one ranging somewhere in here came in about a month ago he's likely to clean out your camp so long perhaps we'll take him in for you laughed the other good night he turned toward the campfire under the trees as the officer rode away now what in hell did that fellow want to lie to me like that for said brian oakley to himself he must have seen king and sibyl as they came down the trail max old boy when a man lies deliberately without any apparent reason you want to watch him end of chapter twenty one recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com